let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back in your ears once again. Beer is in the glass, and we are ready to celebrate the Opinions' fifth birthday in style, aren't we, Martin? Yeah, as at time of recording on a Saturday afternoon, we're starting with a big beer, and then going bigger, and then bigger. It's it's our birthday, mate. We're allowed <laughs> to celebrate in style, aren't we? We are. Um, well, first of all, I can't believe it's five years, you know. Um, and I know we say that every time it gets to a milestone, but five years seems like a particular milestone, doesn't it? And it's it's now gone slightly gone past the amount of time you're already recording with Mark as well. So you've been doing this now for nine years plus. Yeah, yeah. So I've, as I've, we referenced before, yeah, I've been doing opinions for for longer now than the original beer o'clock show, which is bonkers, really. So you know, happy birthday, happy birthday to us. Um, we had got the beer in the glass and. May not be a massive surprise, um, given uh, our beery adventures recently. We are kicking off with West Coast IPA, my beer of the year for 2020, Big Eagle. Really looking forward to getting into this. Cheers. Cheers. Now, this is the slightly dialed down version as well, ABV-wise, isn't it? Yeah, so I think it's probably to be strictly true big eagle, big eagle 2020 was my beer of the year wasn't it which was the seven percent plus and i think as we said before this had to be dialed in a bit for it to be entered into a particular category in one of the competitions i don't was it Sieber's competition or something yeah, yeah um but i mean we had we, we 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 did have a couple up in york when we were up there recently and uh, straight from the cold store in fact one at quarter to ten in the morning after a bacon roll because <laughs> what else would you have people might have coffee and tea i suppose but hey uh, a big eagle uh, straight from the cold store wasn't to be sniffed at and it just hits the spot every time those layers of bitterness at the end it's it's and it's big old multi bitterness as, as as well isn't it that's got that lovely resinous piney finish to it that is is, is quite dry and there's a slight sweetness on the end as well ever so subtly oh, it's but... definitely because this is where it's a little bit different because obviously your beer of the year plenty of mentions for that for, for oregon from elusive brew they are two different start two different types of west coast and they are both very good this one just feels like slightly more that old school with the multi-character just being a little bit more in your face than than, than andy's elusive brews version but you know it's a cracking beer at 6.4%. Isn't it just, and it's it, like, like you say, it's very drinkable. And as, as we proved recently, you pretty much drink it at any time of the day as, as well. Not, not drink responsibly, folks. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, let, me just, let, let me just point that out. But um, it isn't just any old beer as, as well, this one, is it? Because this beer is, is also a significant milestone in the podcast history, because this is the thousandth beer that has been featured over the last nine years. And that in itself is, is quite a milestone, isn't it? Well, that's the um, exploding head emoji right there, isn't it? Um, 1,000, 1,000th beer. So effectively, you were recorded, you had untapped before you started the beer. You have tapped in then, if you were being religious about it, a 1,000 beers just from recording. 
Yes, yeah. I mean, there are some duplicates in there because we we have featured a, yeah. a number of beers a number of times. But but yeah, a, a thousand beers just from just from recording. Um, I feel like there there should be a badge on on, on tap for that. <laughs> <laughs> I really just, do. What, literally just for you. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. This is your one thousand beer o'clock show recording badge or something to that effect <laughs> yeah be, that would be amusing if that's something if you do get a badge for this check-in now yeah i don't i don't see it happening but but yeah so it's uh it's quite nice to to, to land that milestone at the, the same time as we're doing the fifth birthday as well um because it, it, it just brings it all together quite nicely well it does and obviously you know brew yorker five years old as well so there's a, there's a nice little synergy. And across the course of today's recording, we are going to drink between us five different beers. So we've basically got a bit obsessed with number five, haven't we? Yes, yeah, yeah. And we'll be doing um, a countdown as, as well throughout the show of, of, of our top five moments from, from the last five years as, as well, as, as, as well as going over some of our listeners' favourite moments as well, because we, we, we did ask our listeners to get in touch and let us know. But as is a customary on birthday and celebration episodes, I've got some stats, mate. The, these are all driven by your spreadsheets, aren't they? Pretty much, yeah. If it wasn't <laughs> if it wasn't for the spreadsheet, I wouldn't be able to give this sort of information. Right, I, 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 I really wouldn't. Okay, you so hit us with five sets of stats, then, Steve. Okay, there have been one hundred and ninety-seven opinions episodes. So that's you and I doing things to, together. So that includes all of the main opinions podcasts. That includes all of the opinions on films, uh, the little spin-offs we did uh, for Little Leeds Beer House, the flavour of the month, the Irish beer report, and all of the little one-off tiny pod blast things we did as well. So we've done 190 episodes that now come under the opinions banner. Um, we've done in that time uh, 741 beers which is obviously 74% of that thousand beers that I mentioned earlier have been you and I, Martin, which I think shows the dedication <laughs> that we have to do more than one beer on a show. So basically a, a quarter of the beers roughly you met, you took four years with Mark. See, Mark was obviously a good influence on you. Yeah. It would appear that since I joined the show, it's gone rapidly downhill in terms of our protecting our liver, unfortunately. And again, everyone, please do not drink like us. Drink responsibly. Indeed. <laughs> um, also, 14% of that number have been IPAs. I don't, I don't think that will come as a <laughs> surprise to, to anyone, especially as we start this week's show of an IPA as, as well. Uh, 716 unique beers. So going down the lines of, of untapped from that number of 741, uh, 716 have been unique. Uh, obviously, I did mention that there have been a few repeats where, where, we've, where we've done the same beer once or twice. And I think on some occasions, three times a couple of beers have featured. Uh, we've featured 255 breweries from all over the world because um, obviously you know we're lucky enough to get beer from um, lots of places now so it's not just the UK that we've, now, we've been able to feature we've featured stuff from Ireland from Europe from America and it's, it's great that we've we've reached that many breweries yeah no it's really good and, and presumably you've got um, some brewery stats about who we've drunk the most beer from then Obviously, mate. Yeah. Um, so, so these are quite similar to, to the ones for the beer o'clock show in total. Um, as I, I was quite surprised to find out that we've done three quarters of the beers on opinions only. Um, so it, pro it probably 
skews these stats slightly, but um, Brewdog is still at the top of that list. They've featured uh, 28 beers over the, the last five years. Uh, Brew York um, just sitting underneath them at 24, and that's including the beers that we're going to be doing this evening, and then Fuller's at 23, and obviously Fuller's being in there purely because of the amount of vintages we seem to get through, um, but also those uh, collab beers that Fuller's did, the Fuller's and Friends, they, they fucked say, we've, up we've, Fuller's stats. We've done Fuller's and Friends, and then for Opinions 100, we did the vertical tasting as well, didn't we? Yeah. So those plus the end of year shows, that one... I would. I'm actually quite surprised. I mean, Brewdog. We we had that advent case a few years back. Um, Brew York have definitely come up on the rails, so to speak. And that's just been in the last couple of years recently yeah. as well. And and that's as a result of one of the variations of one of the beers we'll be featuring later. So we'll come back to, to, to that moment. And just the final stat is we've had 97 guests join us in, in, in that time as well. And there have been a couple of repeat offenders on, on the guests, haven't there, Martin? Yes, there have. So let's, uh, so uh, Ruth's been on a couple of times. Um, Jezza has been on a couple of times. Yep. Uh, trying to think who else has doubled up. Who else has doubled up then? Rich. Oh, Richard, yeah, of course, Rich. Uh, Matt, or has he only done the one? No, Matt's been on a couple of times as, yeah, as, as well, yeah. Because obviously he was he was butlering, wasn't he, for one of the Roof Negroni episode? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. I mean, what number did you say it was again? How many? Not 97. So 197 episodes, 97 guests. I mean, obviously the guest thing has increased quite dramatically over since we started recording remotely at the start of the pandemic as well. And as we noted before, logistically, it's made that side of it easier because it was always generally meet in London, hoping we can all align on times, dates, venue, rely then on public transport <laughs> and the equipment set up, etc. Whereas, you know, as we'll come into it further into the show, the, the quality an ease of using Zoom. And while it never replicates the feel of all being in the same room, I grant you that, um, for the, from the guest aspect, it's definitely made that easier to do and easier to sort. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and obviously some of those 97 have been multiple guests on one show as, as well. So probably the most recent one was the Lager special that, that, that we did where we had four different guests on. Uh, at the same time and obviously in the past in person say like when we've recorded with other podcasts that have got more than one host that, that they've brought their in, entire team along so so yeah but it's it, it's nice to, to to see that um we are having still a, a, a quite a nice number of guests actually and it, it, it still works out for us as being a a good balance between it just being you and i in our listeners' ears all the time, and then sometimes there being a slightly different voice. Yeah, and I've, uh, and and from varied parts and view and perspective of of the beer drinking industry and the beer drinking community as well, which I yeah. think also works out well. I think it works out well for us because we're already existing in a bit of a bubble with the beer world. It's quite good to have that third or fourth element, depending how many people are on, to bring a different perspective. And a very good example of that is when Danny was on with her, with her life in the pub trade from days gone by. And as a drinker now, her perspective was really very good. And I think it's quite good for us so that we don't get sucked into thinking that the only thing is really what we think. 
as well. And I like that. And it also challenges us as well. Yeah. So I, I, I love the Us shows. And I know that there's a lot of love from the listeners and stuff. But judging by some of the comments about uh, the guests we've had on, in the last, especially in the last six months, for example, um, people like that element of it as well. The, the third wheel, for want of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and there hasn't been a bad guest, if I'm being honest. No, I've, I've, I've enjoyed every single person that, that we've sat down to talk to. And, and yeah. long may that continue. And I think it's important at this point to probably acknowledge our listeners. Uh, and I know we, we, we kind of do this once a year, but it's important for me to do this. Um, thanks to every single one of our listeners for, for listening to us. Um, thanks to everybody that gets involved in, in the polls and, and, and with the other things that we, we, we generally tend to do on, on, on Twitter, because... I know it sounds cliche every year when I say it, but without you folks, we're nothing. Um, You give us 50% of the content for every show that that, that we do. Uh, Take that away and there's not really a lot left. So thanks to every single one of our listeners. And I just want to, at this stage, raise a glass and say cheers to you all. Cheers. Yeah, and I echo exactly what you said there, Steve. And also, it's what makes this fun. Yeah, and it still is fun. Yeah, that's what makes this fun is interaction and get and meeting up with people as well, either before, during, after when we've uh, maybe we had them on a guest or anyone who hasn't been a guest. We, you know, I, I, I've got so many friends that have come about through these five years who I, I value as very good friends and consider them very good friends. And then you find out you've probably got other stuff in common as well. I found that out with maybe the football and Bond and even Doctor Who sometimes. And I think you found that with the cycling interest as well so i love it and yes long may it continue um we're not planning on retiring anytime soon what we are going to do though is we're going to be a little bit self-indulgent during this episode (laughs) (laughs) so strap yourselves in for this one Uh, because martin you and i have chosen our top five moments of the last five years and we are going to sprinkle those throughout the show um, and have a little look back and a bit of a countdown from five to one. So coming in at number five is our most recent moment, isn't it, mate? Yep, and our most recent joint theory adventure as well. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's a secret anymore with regard to what that theory adventure was a few weeks ago, but we were lucky enough to uh, go up to York and spend a day with Lee at Brew York and his wonderful team. We were joined by Mr. Andy Parker from Elusive Brew and they let us play on their equipment. They let well, us pop off. They, they, let us touch, they let us touch the odd button, mate. Yeah, they, I think we did do, do a touchscreen once, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, uh, and, um, and we got to put some pops into some very hot water. Come on, lots of hops. Lots of hops, yeah. There were yeah. lots of hops, but I tell you what, it was such a good day. I mean, we drove up there on the Wednesday with a couple of beers to unwind. Earliest start, Lee was so good, came and picked us up um, because where the actual brewery site is, uh, is a little bit further away than the walk into the city centre to go to the tap room where the old, where the original brewery was. Um, and yeah, you know, we've already alluded to it, a bit of brekkie, then a big eagle, but it was it was genuinely good fun being there. Um, you know, I tell you what I really loved, Steve, is when Andy turned up and he was just walking around looking at all the stuff and yeah. then having these little conversations with different members of the team. 
Um, and just, I think, even, you know, because, you know, it's a very similar amount of time that Brew York and Elusive have been going. Well, Elusive, Andy, Elusive are five this year as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more synergy with that number five, yeah. mate. And, you know, they had planned, you know, we let them plan the recipe, didn't we, Steve? Apart we, from... We were very gracious in, yeah. in letting them do that. Yeah, yeah. And, but it was a real insight into that whole collaboration thing, that a lot of the work takes place up front before the actual brew day. Once you get to the brew day, they've got their brew sheet, they know what they're putting in, they know how much they're going to brew, what the aim of it is, what they're trying to get out, what the ABV should land at. You know, we got to see that bit of back and forth between, you know, what types of hops, the malt, the build of it all. I found that really, that was really quite interesting. I mean, hands up, some of it went right over my head, but I still found it interesting. Um, And yeah, then just interacting during the day, very noisy yeah. <laughs> in the brewery when everything's working. But, you know, the setup they've got at Brew York is really quite impressive. And I know we'd seen it on the summer sesh when we had the little tour and stuff. And it's hot when you're up there as well. Um, it, but, yeah, I, I, I genuinely found it fascinating. The team were all very, you know, t- took time out to explain stuff to us. Even though their new head brewer is new, he'd only been there two weeks. So he was going through stuff with the previous head brewer who was on his way. Um, but they still made time to chat to us. We spoke to some other members of the team. You know, Lee looked after us. I mean, there was, you know, when we went to see the cold store, it's like, oh, well, as you're in the cold store, you might as well have a beer while you're in here. And I think we had their Jackie Flan straight off the canning line. They didn't bother putting the lid on it. Yeah, yeah. We, we, got, um, we got to have that with lunch, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that was with lunch. The 7.5% blackberry and blueberry <laughs> beer. But yeah. And then we went out in the evening to, to Brew York. And that was really lovely because obviously I've seen the pictures of where it is on the river. Um, and it's a lovely spot we had out there. Um, Wayne joined us as well. He, you know, he's a co-owner of Brew York. Um, and then some of the other, rest, other members of the team came down with us as well. Yeah, and I think we were probably there a good couple of hours, weren't we? Oh well, yeah, because we decided that we needed to sink a few pints of Cask Maris the Otter, How which good was, was that? oh mate, that beer was just tasting in- incredible. Um, I mean, as you said, Lee was very generous throughout the day, made sure that we had beer to keep us going. We we were very well behaved and made sure we had a lot of water as, as well in between yep. those beers. Um, and but that was all obviously sort of fresh beer from their cold store. And then when we got to go to the Brew York Tap Room seeing some cask beers you and i our eyes just lit up didn't they they were like yeah. oh, pints of that please and that that maris the otter was just absolutely singing on cask it was just this beautiful earthy citrus bitterness but what was it 3.8 3.9 percent so smooth obviously poured properly through a, a sparkler <laughs> as, as as well um but just tasting so good and yeah we we sat outside a few pints of that and then i think we had uh maybe a pint of their lager and then popped up stairs and saw the the, the beer hall as as well and that yeah that that's space, lovely that space that brew york have got is huge isn't it well you've got the bar area which you can still see the old brew kit which i think they arguably use as a bit of a pilot kit anyway um i mean just a shout i had some of the comma chameleon as well on cask because again not had the opportunity before and again under four percent spot on sessionable beer but yeah that side room which they used for the football i think they used for home brewer nights 
that, I mean, that's an event space. You can, you can hide out for your, birth, for your birthday and easily have a good number of people in there. Um, then the, the beer hall upstairs with the, you know, the, the Korean fusion food as well. Um, loads of taps, which they're gradually getting around to amping up the number of beers that have on offer their own plus guest beers as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it was just lovely. I mean, we were lucky as well. It was a lovely day. So, you know, and then we had a little bit of a wander between a couple of places. We went to um, the Market Cat, the Thornbridge place. Yeah, I think somebody, uh, there, there was lots of mutterings of the words cask and Jaipur throughout the day, wasn't there? <laughs> um, and and I, think, I think that was one of the first things Lee said to us was that there will be cask Jaipur tonight, gentlemen. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's all we kind of had on our mind, e- even though we were being hosted by Brew York, which was fantastic. I think in the back of my mind all the time was, when's the cask Jaipur happening? Although I did have a brief 10 second panic when we got there and it had kicked and I thought, you must have another one. You must have yeah, another you, one. You must have, yeah. Um, and then I followed that up with a colonel because the market cat had a colonel on. <laughs> <laughs> and then did we go straight to the House of Trembling Madness after that? Or did we uh, go somewhere else? No, we went, we went straight from there to the House of Trembling Madness, which yeah. again is a, a first time for, for me visiting that. And what a, what a fantastic venue that, that is kind of quirky, it, isn't it? It's kind of like this crooked house, isn't it? That <laughs> you eventually make your way upstairs in, into what is a very quirky space. Uh, and we were presented with what was just an incredible beer list. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing that leapt out of that beer list for me, they had Colonel IPA Citra on. And I was yeah. like, thank you very much. I'll be having one of those. Yeah, whereas I went Belgian. Yeah, you went for... Um, Duchess, didn't you? Yeah. Well, they had it on draft. Rare do I see that on draft, even when I've been in Belgium. I, don't, I haven't often seen it. And it was a real, the whole day had been either basically IPAs, cask bitters, and the old fruity beer. So the Duchess is just completely different to all of those. And it almost, I say palate cleanser, but that's not the right turn of phrase, but I think people will get what I mean. And it was just lovely to sit in, House Trembling Madness with Wayne, Andy, Lee, and I've forgotten the name of the other guy who was with us as well. So apologies um, if you're listening because Lee's made you listen to it. <laughs> real, real apologies. Great, great guy to talk to, and and us and yeah, just shooting the breeze. It was it was a wonderful end to the evening in the House of Trembling Madness. Well, it was it was a wonderful end to the day, um, and as as I say, we are very grateful to to Lee for thoroughly looking after us for, for, for our time in York. But we weren't just up there for a jolly, were we? We were up there on somewhat serious business, which was... We were working. We, we were actually working, yeah. As, as, as you alluded to, you know, we went up for the brew day um, to bring together this this idea that we had of... Uh, it was a few months back now. We, we kind of had a chat and said, what if we were able to get your brewery beer of the year last year and my brewery beer of the year last year together for a collab that we could be involved in and Andy and Lee were both really really open to it when we first suggested it to them and and yeah like you say a lot a lot of the collab actually took place via email before yeah. we had to get to day, and that made things very easy because when we got there things like the malt bill the grist had already been weighed out and was ready to go um they knew exactly what we needed to do we had a brew sheet to work towards and and yeah we um we got to make a beer didn't we mate we did and we are very excited about this i have to admit um but again, like I said, the process was really enjoyable to be part of. And they did, they did actually make us work at times as well. 
Yeah. Um, didn't give us a completely free ride on it. Let's face it, on the day we did more, we did more than Mr. Parker. Come on, he just he just he wandered around looking at shiny stuff. He he was like a kid in a sweet shop. Yeah. <laughs> it, like I said, it was wonderful to see. Um, and it, to be honest, when we first started the conversation, I wasn't sure all the stars would align. And if I had known how many collabs Andy was going to get involved in this year, I would have been re- even more doubtful because he yeah. seemed to be churning out collabs left, right, and center. Yeah, so really grateful that he, he made space for us um, and, and to come up to, 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 your, to be involved in, in that as well. So we can exclusively reveal now to our listeners what the beer is that we've made because we, we, we teased a few things. We asked people to guess what style of beer it was. A lot of people, probably rightly so, went for a West Coast IPA. Some people say a double West Coast. I think there was even one suggestion that we had brewed a triple West Coast uh, IPA. But I don't think anybody actually got it right until (laughs) (laughs) there was a tongue-in-cheek comment on the most recent Riverman Brews where Luke actually nailed the style that that we we, we brewed. So what we've brewed is a 7.2% red IPA. It's called Red Danson. It's full of Centennial, Columbus, Citra and Simcoe. And it's got a big old hoppy, malty, bitter beast coming in. I think they said about 60 to 70 IBUs, wasn't it going to be? Well, it's going to be more bitter than the beer we're currently drinking, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Is, is the, what is that? Because uh, when we were talking about it at the time, and that was, and to be fair, all four of us were agreeing on the the bitterness levels and stuff. But Big Eagle doesn't hit those markers. It's close, but the Red IPA will actually be more bitter. And I yeah. think the seven point two percent is pretty much bang on where the Big Eagle twenty twenty was as well. It is, yeah. And it's been it's been heavily influenced by. Um, I, th- I think the original recipe was a version of Andy's Level Up which has just been amplified, but also it's been heavily influenced by all four of us and our love for the old American imports that you used to get when we first started seeing American imports coming to these shores. So, so yeah, we're really excited uh, about the release. Um, the artwork on the can is fantastic. <laughs> uh, obviously, we, we're not going to share anything about that on the show no. because Brew York are going to take the lead on releasing all of the details on social media. So you'll have to keep your eye on Brew York social media in terms of what the beer looks like, when it's going to be available, how you can get it, that sort of thing. It's going to be available in cans. There are going to be kegs and casks available of it as well, which we're thrilled about. And we can also reveal that if you are heading to the Leeds International Beer Festival on the first weekend of September, we understand it's going to be pouring there as as well. So if, as one of our listeners, you are there and you see our beer on and you want to give it a go, we'd love to hear your feedback on on what it's tasting like, because you're actually going to get to taste it before we do. Yes, um... Probably just worth adding that the earliest session that it will be pouring would be the Friday evening. So if you're there for the Thursday night session or the Friday afternoon, as we understand it, it won't be there, but it will be the freshest available keg you'll be able to yeah. get hold of. Friday night's the earliest it will be poured. But as Steve said, we would definitely love to hear it because it's probably going to be potentially two to three weeks before we get a chance um, in any format to taste yeah. it 
So yeah, uh, definitely want to hear about it. Uh, people's pictures with it, anything like that. We would love for you to tag us in. We look forward to that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited to hear people's feedback about it. Um, but not to be outdone, obviously it's our beer, so that we wanted an event as well, didn't we, mate? So <laughs> all about us. <laughs> it's all about us. We spoke to our friends. Um, we've put friends in touch with one another. And we, again, can exclusively reveal that we are going to be doing uh, an event. I was going to call it a tap takeover, but it might be. It might not be. Um, but we're going to be doing an event at the Victoria Inn in Colchester on Thursday, the 23rd of September. Uh, Richest spoken to Lee and Andy about getting beers in from Brew York and from Elusive for that event. And we are hopeful that Rich will also have the cask and the keg version of Red Dancing on at the same time. So you can do a side-by-side -side comparison. Um, and fingers crossed, hopefully Lee will be in attendance as, as well from Brew York. So I'm really looking forward to that event. And I'm so grateful to, to, to Rich for agreeing to come on board to host it because we we speak about the vic being our spiritual home so often and it just felt like the right place for us to go because we're actually going to pour the beer for people as well um yeah. well it's the right place it's also the uh yorkshire embassy in in essex as well yeah therefore it's the only appropriate place where where, where our beer should be first available in essex exactly so we we, we definitely um extend our thanks to 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 rich for this and yes all logistics if all the logistics work there will be the opportunity to try it cask and keg side by side um you may find that by the end of the evening there's two rather drunk podcasters <laughs> <laughs> arguing over which format is better <laughs> rich put the sparkler back on take it off just put it back on again i need to try them side by side yeah rich and, is gonna, and a keg one rich is and, gonna love it and you've got any cans can we can we get that in this <laughs> three four way tasting as, as well now i'm really excited about it and um yeah that is uh kind of our number five moment and it's it's a recent one as well but i'm i'm really excited about red dancing um people that know brew york will know that they like to play on words and and, and that one works perfectly and folks once you see the artwork oh i just can't say anymore about it the detail on the artwork is also very good yeah you, you need to, to look at it more than once to see everything yes as well yeah absolutely um, and that's what's that's why it's number five in our countdown is because so many things have got into that to end up where we are and this you know there's still more to come from that because it is the actual finished product as well so oh, this, yeah this oh. isn't going to be the last time that we talk about it that's that, that's for sure oh, i'm God, sorry no. folks I'm yeah sorry. sorry about that but it, it was it was it was just you know to get those two guys working together from those two breweries which were the two you know contributed to the beers of the year for us to get it all to come together and for you steve finally to get the chance to meet lee i met him briefly at brew london um and he couldn't be nicer i mean he's a Big Viking beast of a man, but such a lovely bloke. Such a lovely bloke. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and once again, I just want to extend our thanks to Lee and to Wayne and to Andy and to Rich and to Andy and Sheena, everybody that's been involved in either making that beer happen or getting involved in this event that we're going to do. We're so grateful. Uh, and I really can't wait to try it. Um, I really can't wait until some cans land for, for us to try. And obviously... I've got some time off that week now. <laughs> Obviously, we'll be trying to squeeze that into a show at some point as well. To Obviously. Be, because the, why, why would we not? We have to review our own beer on, on, on the show. Um, that's not the only thing that we've been up to, though, is it? Um, we have been up to some other beer adventures. But before we get into that, uh, My Big Eagle has finished, and I'm sure yours probably has as well, mate. Definitely. Uh, it's just too damn drinkable for us, mate. It's, it's the style that we love um you know we we you know if somebody passed me a second can i'll just start drinking it without even thinking about it and and that's why it took you know just last thing i want to say it took a great deal of effort not to just say can i have some tap pours at brew york of just big eagle yeah um i was also conscious of the fact that the evening may not last as long as it did if you and i had just done big eagle in the afternoon or about four o'clock we got there, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. You've got to measure your drinking sometimes, haven't you? Yeah, but that bitterness, the malt bill, like I said, uh, and a few people challenged me last year about, you know, why not Oregon Trail? I mean, we're talking fine margins here, and it is just, you know, a personal preference between one and the other. But you could easily ask me another day, and I might go, oh, it's all about Oregon Trail. But I will just say as well, there is talk, and again, this came up last night publicly on Twitter, of yes. Andy and Lee coming together to brew Oregon Eagle. Or it was Oregon Eagle. That was, you know, we were on Big the Mount Yeah. No, no, no. It was Oregon Eagle was the name that was settled on. Um, and yes, basically the best elements of Big Eagle and the best elements of Oregon Trail one day. And this is why we're saying it on the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, because we know Lee listens. Yeah. We're, we're going to hold you to this. We, we want to see Oregon Eagle. But they were both, well, they, you can see it. They, for about 10 minutes, they were really talking about it, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. They really got into that conversation. So, you know, let's, let's, we'll give them a little bit of breathing space. You know, there may be other things they've got to do after all. But yeah. you heard it here. Oregon Eagle will be a thing one day. Can't wait. I can't wait. So before we get into our beer adventures, let's get on to second beer um, this week. This is again from Brew York. Um, and this is where you and I are going to start drinking different beers this evening. So my next beer is from their State of Mind series. This is Flux number one. It's 12-month barrel-aged version of Cherry con Tonkoko. So it's got cherry, coconut, cacao, tonka, vanilla, milk stout. Um, I'm taking one for the team. On, on this I really am you definitely are you definitely are I mean I've got the uh, barrel aged chocolate orange so this is a Marcella barrel aged chocolate orange imperial milk stout although you may think um, that's going to lead to a, a beer the similar ABV as you but it comes in at 7.5% this is flux 03 so again there's a nice little bit of synergy going on here um, and on the back it says five words. So again, sticking with the five, rich, luxurious, rounded, citrus. And I've made myself a bit of a fool here because the last word I can't say, sensational, because they do like playing about with words, don't they? 
Yeah. Sensational. I've got decadent, sweet, fruity, aromatic, and luxurious. Uh, and I didn't mention my ABV. Mine's 9.5, so I, I have jumped up a little bit more than yours. But it pours like treacle in, into the glass. It really does. It's got this lovely dark brown head to it. Um, it's, oh. it's as black as night. And it's full-on Tonka on the nose. <laughs> Mine, however, is... Um... Well, put it this way, it would definitely appeal to a few of the Men Behaving Badly podcast, um, given their love of Terry's Chocolate Orange. We've done that, haven't we? On We did that beer on the summer sesh, when with, with the, the session with Lee. That was one of the beers that he bought in the, in, in the box for that session, wasn't it? I think so. But just to be clear, we did a lot of beers over a very long day, <laughs> <laughs> over a long weekend. <laughs> Let, let's dive into this one and, and, and give them a try. Cheers. Cheers. It's fucking amazing. And do you know what I, do, I like about it? Because I know sometimes we've spoken about the dark beers and about having the really thick, velvety, oily, really luxuriant mouthfeel. And I may have said it at the time, but this has got all of the flavours, all of the aromas, but it's actually quite light in the body and the mouthfeel, which makes it, again... A bit easier to drink. I think when you have those really big, thick stouts, I think it's almost impossible to drink those at any sort of pace. Whereas this, because it is light, still got great lacing on the glass, lovely head retention, but it's got that sort. Of, it has got a little bit of an oily quality, which just made I, I really quite like on certain beers. But with the orange, with the chocolate, it works really well. Now, Steve, given all of the uh, flavors and aromas that you mentioned on the can. How was your first sip? It's thick. <laughs> Just going to say that much. Um, the dominant flavours are the tonka and the coconut. Uh, the cherry is very muted in, in there. Um, but I'm wondering if it's... I'm wondering if those flavours are dominating because they're the ones that I'm not quite so keen on. So, so obviously they're going to be the ones that I'm going to pick up more. Um, it does give way to a, a slight sweet tartness from the cherry. Uh, and then there's a lot of real dark chocolate bitterness uh, at, at the end of it. And I mean, like, it's really bitter, um, but not in a big eagle bitter way, but in that kind of roasted bitterness way that you'd, you'd get from a 70, 80% that's what I was going to say, like the, 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 the posh chocolate when they say how much the percentage is on it. Yeah. Are you, I mean, you're probably right on the flavours and the aromas. And also you were uh, maybe subconsciously ready for them because you know that they're going to be there. They will leap out. It'd be the same as if you had Marmite on toast, but you're not a Marmite fan. You're going to go, oh my God, straight away. Um, I, I am pleased you, you've taken this one for the team, Steve. Um, obviously, I would have drunk it and I have got one of those, um, I have two of them now. I must, while I remember, give an extra shout out to Lee again. So I know that Lee listens and I know we've mentioned a lot, but I had a few family things to sort out with my parents and I had to decamp to Milton Keynes before I could reclaim uh, the, these beers from you, Steve. I spoke to Lee and Lee got them out to me in time for us to do the recording. So... Thank you very much again for putting yourself out for me, Lee. It was really very helpful. Um, it means my mum is going to have to put up with someone who's drinking 
uh, big beers on a Saturday afternoon before he then drinks beer watching football. So I could be asleep by eight o'clock. <laughs> and, and it's probably important to say, actually, yes, all of these beers that we're drinking tonight were gifted to us by, by Brew York. It wasn't, if it wasn't enough that we got to use all of their ingredients and all, all of their utility bills and fuck around on their brew kit for a day, that they did also send us home with a box of very limited edition beers as, as, as well. Glass, I mean, which I think you're modelling now, the new Teku glass as well. I'm modelling that on the next beer oh. because I want to drink the next beer in smaller measures because it's 14%. So uh, we'll, we'll come we'll come on to that. But while we're enjoying these beers, uh, let's talk about some of the other things that we've been up to before we get into our out and abouts. Uh, one of the things that we promised to do a couple of shows back when we featured the Fine Owls Origins beers was to make sure that we both revisited the other beers that we didn't drink on that show and then to, to feed back our thoughts on, on, on those beers on, on the next show. So, Martin, how did you find the two beers that, that I drank on that show? Well, I think it's probably fair to say that the beers are potentially going to be more welcome to me than they are to you anyway, Steve, across all four of them from the Origin series. Um, now, I had the uh, Nadal Rhubarb, and I also had... Is Nadar the right way said or Nader? I can't really remember. And I also had the Origins Home 29 one. Um, so the, that one, the Home 29, was the one that you featured on the show as well. It is very cidery in its both its aroma and taste. Dry, sharp, and a bit of wood, bit of wood comes through as well. I would argue that there's fewer characteristics there which wouldn't have ticked your boxes, especially the cidery element of it. But it couldn't be a million miles away from what Yarl is. It just shows that Fine Owls have got more than one string to their bow, in my opinion, on that one. Really, I really did. I really enjoyed it. Um, but then I don't mind cider. I don't mind the lambic and a goose. Goes, whichever way you want to say it. Um, it's, I, find, I found it really sprightly, spritzy, refreshing. Really, the sharpness I actually really got. The rhubarb, uh, I could definitely get your reference you made to rhubarb and custard. Um, so not to say that they used anything artificial, but as a point of reference for anyone, it definitely had more of the feel of a rhubarb sweet than, say, rhubarb when you might have had it as part of a pile or crumble. But again, a little bit of tartness. Definitely had the rhubarb notes came out. Um, and I must have had this one a bit later than the, the, bit, than the first beer because I've just noticed um, some really terrible spelling on my untapped check-in on that one as well. So well done me for not checking my <laughs> autocorrect. <laughs> So how did you find my two that I had? Uh, yeah, it was a very much a tale of two beers for, for me. So the, the, the Nadal Jester, um, probably more tart than I would normally like from uh, a, a beer. Uh, very much lending itself to what I'd call the more traditional type of mixed fermentation taste and feel. Um, uh, a lot more sour, a lot more funky, a lot more challenging to drink that one was for, for me. Um, but I did enjoy the Nadar Celia. For me, that was almost the best of the four. Now, that's the one that comes in at the highest ABV, probably the reason why I liked it so much. But I got loads of stone fruits and peach from it in a very, very balanced way with a very subtle, balanced tartness to it. 
and that one was an actually a delight to drink so yeah for me I, that that would be the one that from the four that, that i've now tried that celia one was 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 probably the highlight for me yeah i mean i i i, I can get that um but you know i think all four beers had similar characteristics across them all but there was enough differences as well to know that you were you were drinking four different beers um i've really enjoyed what they're doing with the origins you know, we, we, I think we dived into Origins two or three years ago now when we were talking about it. Um, and I, I hope they carry on producing these more, say, limited, seasonal, foraged beers. So I say it just shows just how, how accomplished a brewery they are and how we often talk about under-the-radar breweries. Fine Owls, the, the next word which comes from after that is Yarl, straight away. You know, sparkled, cask, Yarl, completely get it. They, they, there's much more to them than just that absolutely yeah and i, and I think as, as you say this the, the origins very much demonstrate that yeah. as, as, as well so again thanks to ian at fine ale sir for sending those beers down to us but really did enjoy them if anyone gets a chance to try them they're well worth a, a pop yeah yeah for sure so what else have you been up to then out out and about wise well a little bit more it has been a little bit more muted recently for various reasons uh you know been indoors for self-isolation a couple of times and um, uh, up at my parents. But I have escaped into London a couple of times. I've actually been back to the office as we transition from working from home to a bit more of a hybrid situation. So I've been getting used to a bit of a new setup uh, and things like that. So naturally, when I'm in the office, I, I find time to visit the Pelt Trader. I uh, was lucky enough to meet Lauren was around both times. Um, so I was able to speak to Lauren, um, who some people remember has joined us on some of the uh, sessions we've done virtually over the last 18 months. So that was good. And I met up with an ex-colleague last week and um, I was out with Clayton yesterday and we had a couple of beers and some pizza. But I just want to say I had some Kapow from Hackney Brewery on tap. So not some of the cast beers, but on the actual keg, keg line. And it was tasting absolutely banging last week. Now, Pelt Trade has a, a fairly decent range of beers and I rarely do the same beer twice in a run when I'm only going for like a lunch break or an afternoon session. But I had Kapow twice last week and it was tasting absolutely spot on. And that was really the only intention was Pelt Trader, a bit of pizza, a few beers, catch up with my ex-colleague, get over to Euston and get a train. However, my meta power kicked in and there was trespassers on the line. So there was massive delays on the, on the Euston to Milton Keynes line. So what would any self-respecting person do? I went to a pub. So I went to the parcel yard, popped in there. Obviously, it's been a while since I've been in the parcel yard, somewhere where I used to meet up with some other ex-colleagues regularly for a bite to eat and some drinks. Definitely, they've definitely reduced the range of non, I say non-fullers, non-atahai beers. Um, so fullers and dark star both represented and very little on the way of guest beers. Um, but I did have a hophead. Enjoyed it as ever. Um, uh, there was a period when I was a little bit doubtful about where it was still as good as it was, but I have to admit, it feels like it's back back to the beer that I know and love. Uh, popped into Fuller's Pub when I got nearer to Euston, but there were still delays. Um, and then had a quick couple of beers at the Euston Tap. So again, at least going via Euston to Milton Keynes, I, I have got venues I can go to and, you know, Euston Tap, isn't my favourite venue indoors, but outdoors has got quite a decent size space now. And you know you're always going to find something you like. Uh, this Friday, 
most recently. Um, I went again back into work, uh, did some time in the office, but then took the afternoon out to hit the Walthamstow area is trying to build in terms of like a bit of a beery destination. No doubt they're taking a bit of inspiration from, from Bermondsey over the years. Loads of, a lot of the breweries in that way have opened up their own tap rooms. Um, signature brew for, for an obvious one. Didn't get a chance to pop in yesterday, but I will do on my return. Uh, started off at Hamilton in Islington because that's fairly easy to get to from the office. Had a few drinks there. And then once four of us were together, we went over to Black Horse Road, popped into Exhale. They were very generous, both with their time and, you know, they did treat us for the first round. Um, popped out to Hackney, where I'd done some, um, I'd crowd, helped crowdfund, uh, moved to the High Hill Tap Room. So, yes, the Hackney Tap Room is now in Walthamstow and Brewery. Had some beers there, uh, but also got to meet someone who I'd only seen virtually over the last 18 months, uh, Joe Llewellyn-Jones, who's uh, previously a home brewer, worked at Hackney, currently works at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and he's been uh, hosting our virtual events at work and actually got to meet him in person. So I'm not sure where Joe listens, but it was great to see him yesterday. Really great to meet him. And same for Clayton as well, because we, we, we run it jointly at work. So yes, that was, that was really nice when you just sort of bump into someone and you go, oh, hold on a second. I've only ever seen you on the, on a, on a screen. So that, that was really lovely. Um, and, you know, just to give a bit of context for the Walthamstow, what they're trying to create in that Black Horse Road area, it's obviously they have all decided that tap rooms are the way forwards with regard to that customer feedback, missing out the middleman, serving the beers they want to serve. And it's definitely less, um, not spit and sawdust, but less rough than when maybe the first tap rooms opened along the Bermondsey Beer Mile, which was basically, let's find a space for a Saturday where we stop brewing and people can sit down, but these are purpose-built tap rooms. So a, a lot of them reminded me of some of the tap rooms that I went to, I've been to in the States and seen pictures of. They are very much focusing on that purpose-built tap rooms. Again, they're all in industrial estates of which Walthamstow has plenty of them. So it's well worth a visit. Victoria Line, get off at Black Horse Road, 10 minute walk and you can hit your first one up and you can easily do a good day around there and, and, and have some good beers. And it's an alternative because we know over the past that Bermondsey can get busy. So it's definitely an alternative option. But there's one bit of the day I need to go back to. The Pelt Trader, Colonel, was on, always on. So I'm always thinking, I'm always going to have a Colonel. Until I saw that they had Colonel, Citra and Sabro. <laughs> Why the fuck would you do that to the Citra this hop? This divisive beer that, that keeps coming up on our timeline as well. This fuck I couldn't believe it. And then not only that, Clayton bought a pint of it. I don't know him anymore. <laughs> did did, did you try it? Yep. Yeah. Lauren very kindly tried, uh, offered us a, a taster. And I couldn't get any Citra. It's my favourite hop. And there was no bloody Citra. The Sabro just dominates it. Um, and again, no doubt... An element of that is my olfactory system working on the basis that I don't like it, so it highlights it. But no, Clayton tasted it and then still parted with cash for it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I think um, he's got higher tolerance to Sabro than we have, mate. I don't know. I think he's just doing it because I was there, to be honest. But no, I mean, he, he seemed to enjoy it and he finished it. And they actually had another keg of it. They actually had two kegs of the stuff. Uh, but like I said, it was lovely to be back in London. I, you know, I do love London. 
it was great being out with people and it was good to go to some tap rooms in a part of London, but I don't often visit. So again, it ticks a lot of those kind of boxes. But ultimately, it was a lovely day out with friends and I did have some good beers and I had Steady Rolling Man on tap for the first time as well. So I was at the Hackney Brewery, but it's, again, they have some guest beers, don't often get to see Steady Rolling Man on tap. And I think when we had it recently, we both commented that we've probably only ever had it in can. So I thought, mm, I probably should try it. And it definitely ticks that modern day classic box. It, it, is, it is in that realm, I would say. Um, and it was just really enjoyable on tap. So again, it's nice that you've got this full range of Hackney beers available and they've got a couple of other ones. I always want to see as many as possible from the brewery that you're visiting. But if you want to throw a few guest ones in, fine. But just make sure you've got your cores and specials available so people can try them. That's what I've gone to your tap room for. And all of them, which we visited yesterday, did that. So, yeah, shout out. Really good day. And, you know, thanks to my friends for, for joining me on it. To be honest, I was going to do it with or without them. <laughs> it's one of those days. It's just nice to have some company. Yeah, lovely. It was lovely. Whether they say the same is another matter, but <laughs> I really I really did enjoy it. So that, that's really been where my beery adventures have taken me. Now, Steve, have you had any beery adventures recently? Yes, I have. Um, now, not content with going all the way to York to drink with Andy Parker. Um, literally the weekend after we got back from York, uh, Em and I went over to Wokingham. Uh, specifically with the intention of visiting the elusive taproom. Uh, now, this was a trip that we originally had planned for March 2020 and for obvious reasons got put back, put back, put back, put back. We, we eventually got to do it. Uh, we eventually got to the taproom. Um, it was a lovely day. We got to sit outside and got to drink lovely pints of draft Oregon Trail. Um, Paul was there um, at UNRCD, Paul and Una joined us for, for, for the day as, as well. Um, and yeah, it was, it was literally, it was pretty much all about the Oregon Trail. We did drink some other beers. There, there were well, other beers. Well, well done, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were other beers on tap. There was the collab that Andy's just done with Duration, uh, which was West Coast Pal. Um, maybe not as bitter as, as, as I would have liked from that style, a little bit soft, but still a very tasty beer that that was on draft as well we got to try the um recent double ipa that he's done with the the name escapes me but with the bottle shop in windsor um oh, the yeah. one that the one that he said reminded him of torpedo um and i could see where he was coming from with that that was that was a big beer sort of like a big multi resinous uh double ipa but then it was pretty much back to the, the, the Oregon Trail. And we, we were just drinking pints of that. And it was it was lovely because Andy came and sat with us. He was he was serving behind the bar for most of the day, but he came and sat with us and he had a couple of beers. Um, and apparently we then visited the Siren Tap Yard, which is literally just a walk across the way from where the elusive tap room is. There is no photographic evidence of us being at Siren other than maybe on their security cameras. Um, but by all accounts, there were lots of pours of broken dream um, because I decided I needed dark coffee flavoured beer, forgetting that it was 6%. Um, I don't remember how we got back to our hotel in this, Wokenham. This feels a lot like a Rutland Arms moment, Steve. 
I, I know we went there. There's there's a picture of uh, Paul and Una and Emma and me and Andy and Jane walking to the Siren Tapyard. I had vague memories of sitting in the Tapyard meeting. Um, I don't remember much else after that. <laughs> I, I really don't. Um, but it's a lovely space as far as I can remember. I think I'm just <laughs> going to say that. I'm just going to say it's a really nice space and the staff are wonderful. The beer was tasting great. Um, but yeah, and then we were supposed to come home uh, on the Sunday, but we met up with Ruth um, for a sort of late morning coffee. Uh, Ruth and her partner, Paul. Um, and we were sat having coffee and... The, the, the conversation got round to, oh, it's a shame we couldn't have gone out for a beer today. And the next thing, we had booked another night in the hotel and we were on our way to Reading with Ruth to drink. Um, so <laughs> we went to the Nags Head, which is a bit of a legendary pub in, in, in Reading. Um, loads of fantastic cask beer, uh, loads of keg beers, loads of guest beers, loads of Belgian bottles. Uh, just a fantastic beer list. Uh, and we basically spent the afternoon sat out in the garden in the Nags Head, just, just drinking a range of beers, one of which was also Steady Rolling Man. On, on, on draft because oh, it was really? on yeah it, it was on and I thought I should try that we we said on on a show recently how good it was and we often pass it up so tried it yeah and really enjoyed it. it it really hit the spot and I echo everything that you just said about it as as, as well um but yeah just I, I think I started off with a couple of pints of cask beer in there and it was just it was just kept and poured perfectly and as I say anybody knows that the, the nags head uh know that they know beer um so it we, we just had a really enjoyable afternoon and, and then andy popped in for a bit as well and had a couple of beers with us which was quite nice to see him again and then we went to a cocktail bar at five o'clock on a sunday afternoon and we eventually got back to wokenham around about half eight and we'd done one of these classic no dinner specials so we needed to find somewhere to eat in Wokenham on a Sunday night and there was a fuller's pub called The Ship and they finished serving food at nine and I think we got there at about 10 to and we was like are you still serving and they were like we, we were just about to close the kitchen but if you want some food and you can order now we'll cook it for you which I think was great for them because they weren't exactly heaving um it was like a Sunday night quiz night so people were there for that um but I think it was great that they kind of maybe realized we needed food and <laughs> decided to to let us have some food so so we, we ordered some food and i had the most delightful pint of fuller's esb um on cask in in there and and that was kind of my that was kind of my last beer of, the, of that weekend but yeah what was supposed to just initially be just a trip to the elusive taproom ended up being a whole weekend in in wokenham and reading which which we really enjoyed actually and it was really nice to um to catch up with ruth and and, and to literally just spend the afternoon just sunday afternoon in a pub garden in, enjoying really tasty beer you can't ask for much more really can you how far is how long was the journey between Reading and Wokingham by train? Uh, about ten minutes. Okay, so you can choose to stay in one or the other, then, couldn't you? As well, yes. You don't, so it does give you the option. Yeah, you could probably also get the cab from Reading to Elusive just as easily as you could from Wokingham to Elusive. But I think Wokingham is 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 a bit closer 
so it's a little bit cheaper but it would yeah so if you are thinking about doing it and perhaps you know for whatever reason you can't find somebody saying woken and ready would offer you more choice anyway yeah absolutely absolutely sounds like it turned into a really good weekend it was a fantastic weekend uh it was i mean it ended up being if if you account for the sort of like the the evening out in york on the thursday night and then the traveling that we did to York and back and then the traveling to Wokingham and back it ended up being quite a, a tiring long weekend but some really tasty beers a, a, along that journey um and then Can you hear those violins in the background Steve because I, <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah people people must be like shut up Steve <laughs> um and and then uh most recently em and i decided that we were going to go on a pub crawl around wivenhoe in in essex which is uh for people that don't know it's a small town would you call it a town or a large yeah. village yeah uh, uh, let's go let's go town it's basically on the um the estuary isn't it yes yeah it's, it's just outside of colchester uh very much a university town i think it, it, it sits very close to colchester university uh there's five pubs there and uh, and we decided uh i decided to take a friday off work and we were just going to go and have a walk around the five pubs just explore it a little bit um em's dad lives over that way as well and the plan was to obviously vi- visit him while we were there uh first pub was an adnams pub i was very happy i had two points of ghost ship um they did other adnams beers were available but i didn't get past the ghost ship because i was enjoying it too much then we walked down from there it was 10 minutes into the center of town and our second pub was the greyhound um and what a selection of beer they had in there we walked in um and they had four i want to say four cask taps um again there was ghost ship there was broadside um there was proper job but that line was being cleaned and then they were just about to put on dark star hophead as well but then in addition to that on draft they had erdinger which made m very happy because she loves a wheat beer but also left on tap which i've never seen in in the UK or in Essex. And I found it quite strange that in this random pub in this tiny town in Essex, there was there was left on tap. Tell you what, that's not about I mean, going back to your cast lineup. If all four of those have been on, that's not a bad start to your day, is it? Absolutely. Not. All I'm gonna say, mate, is we didn't get to the other three pubs. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the, the shortest <laughs> pub crawl ever. The beer selection was so good in the Greyhound. We ended up staying there. We we had some food. The food was delicious. The atmosphere was nice. The staff were really friendly and helpful. And and to be fair, two of the other three pubs were were, were always going to be questionable in my mind anyway. One of the, one of them's at the station and has a very macro offering. The other one on the estuary is a Green King pub. So I was kind of thinking that the best I'm probably going to get in there is Guinness. And then the, the third was the one that, that, that you mentioned, which was the um, Black Boy, Black Boy, um, which does have a really good range of local cask beer, but not really much on the keg option. And But they also have this kind of webcam that is always on their website that shows you their beer boards. So you can always see what's on. So we had a look at that and I was like, I'm really not fancying any of that. And I really don't want to go to the other two pubs just for the sake of ticking them off. I would much rather stay here and drink the delicious beer that they've got on the, the, the bar here. So that's what we did. We, we, we stayed there. And then um, our next stop 
on our Wivenhoe pub crawl was the Vic Inn in Colchester. Okay, so not a Wivenhoe <laughs> pub, Steve. <laughs> no, we had to get a bus for 50 minutes to, to go to the Vic. But the reason why, why we wanted to stop at the Vic, I, there is no reason why we, we wanted to stop <laughs> at the Vic because we wanted to stop at the Vic. Um, but luckily, they still had some Taras Bulba on on draft we, we went in we had a couple of pints of taras as you do it was tasting delicious and then we drank the colonel and and then we went home very happy that was that was a lovely day out and uh that probably just sums up about i don't know what three or four days worth of drinking um that that, that we did in total but in in that period of time we just had some really really tasty beer um from various sources Various dispense mechanisms, yeah. Variety of sources, variety of places. I mean, this is what happens when you don't have parental responsibility, Steve. Um, you're, you're just out and about. But yeah, it sounds like some cracking adventures there. And a few of them obviously spur the moment with like the Reading bit, um, finding the good pubs in Wibbenhoe, because I know we'd spoken about it beforehand and you weren't too sure. Um, so it sounds like you've had a cracking time recently. I've really enjoyed myself recently, mate. I've, I've really enjoyed drink, drinking out and, and just drinking in new places as, as, as well. And just kind of, I suppose it's kind of that whole getting used to being comfortable about being out again. Yeah. Isn't it? That's, that's the thing. Yeah. And that is something. And I think that was what I really enjoyed about my beer, recent beer adventures with other people um, is, is that feeling about, is it starting to feel a bit like the old days kind of thing? Um, so yeah, very, very enjoyable. Now, speaking of the word enjoyable, Steve, how is your cherry tonkoko beer going, mate? Because you haven't said much about it, and obviously you've done a bit of talking. So how's it going down? It's going slowly, which is probably good considering it's 9.5%, and I do have a much bigger beer to follow it. Um the I think that initial tonka and coconut hit was simply just that it's it's because i i'd gone from the big eagle had some water and then straight into a different beer so straight away you're going to pick up the dominant flavors and those were the dominant flavors that the, the more i've drunk of it the more they've softened um the cherry is still very very subtle in in it for me I'd, I, if, if anything i'd maybe like a little bit more of the cherry coming through because i think if there was more of the cherry in that with that tonka flavoring i think what you'd start getting is something more like a bit of a bakewell tart some of the flavors that you would get in in, in a bakewell tart and i'm not talking the mr kipling icing cherry bakewell tarts i'm talking about the proper bakewell puddings that you you, you get in in bakewell um I would like to see a little bit more than that of that. And I've, I've just been reading on the can that this has actually been the barrel. This has been aged in is French Burgundy wine barrels as, as well. So um, I'm going to, as I drink the rest of it and it starts to warm in the glass, I'm going to see if I can pick up any of those winey characteristics. See if I start picking up any of the tannins from, from the wine in that as well, because I think that might just start to just string it all together a little bit nicer for me. Okay. I mean, I would agree with you. If I was having that beer, and when I have it, I reckon I probably will definitely agree. I would like to see that cherry come out a little bit more as well. Um, not necessarily for the Bakewell tart element, because it's not necessarily my favourite um, cake, but I quite like the chocolate and cherries working together. I think that would work. And then the other elements are complementing it rather than sort of dominating it. Yeah, yeah. How's your um, Terry's chocolate orange in a glass? 
Well, it's going quite well, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, really enjoying it. Like I said, the, the light mouthfeel definitely helps. It's two percent less than your one for starters as well. And I do like a chocolate orange, and those flavours are still what really what I'm getting. So yes, there, I'm, I know that there's been a barrel age element of it, but the oily orange and the dark chocolate is what's really working for me and very does, delicious. Does it say the barrel it's been aged in? I, I want to say masala for, yes, for that. It is it is masala barrel aged. Yeah, that's I, 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 th- I thought so. And um, what I assume it's probably adding something that I would notice more if they took it away. Yeah. But I'm not picking up its element per se right now because of the dominance of the chocolate and the orange. But like I said, and I'm sure I've got no doubt we, we we said at the time it is very nice and it's not overly sweet either it's very balanced on the sweetness levels same with this actually the the, the sweetness is it, it's not too much it's not like sugary sweet where it hurts your cheeks sort of thing it's it's very well balanced yeah in, don't feel the enamel coming there. off your teeth <laughs> yeah yeah well while we continue to slowly work our way through these beers let's dive back into our top five countdown and at number four, we've got the Crimbo Cruels. All of them, mate. Had to be. Come on. We, we couldn't we couldn't separate these out, could we? Um, and I know, and we may we're going to get on to maybe your favourite and my favourite. But generally, this is the Crimbo Cruels as a whole, as an extension of what we do with the podcast. And it's very much about bringing the community that exists around our podcast together to drink with each other and just have a really nice time, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that's essentially it in a nutshell. And we could not have it on there because again, it is about the listeners. It's about the community and it's about getting to meet people and literally having a good time while you're drinking. And each of the cities we've been to, we go to a variety of places as well. Um, a good percentage of those are new places the places which you may never get the chance to go back to or they may have changed hands or they may have changed what they're doing and i have enjoyed every one of them thoroughly but i will be honest and maybe part of my thinking is because of its positioning in the calendar compared to the world as we know it right now manchester was a real highlight for me um it was obviously the last crimbo crawl we did before we were going to switch them all doing the stuff in the summer, which obviously 2020 and 2021 hasn't happened. And fingers crossed, touch wood and everything else, we will be in Birmingham in 2022. But it was such a good crowd at Manchester, both the evening beforehand, which has become a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Can we just pause there? Because how the hell did Crimbo Cruel Eve become a thing as, as, as well? I think that was a... Uh, more random happening in Bristol, wasn't it? That well, lot- although, although when we went to Leeds with you and Mark as part of the beer o'clock crimbuckle, we'd made a particular uh plan for a group of us to go to Magic Rock, yes, because yeah. you needed pints of cannonball. Well, they had just released it in cans, yeah, and was- we got to see the cannon line, but there was there was a particular reason we've gone all the way to Leeds, you're so close to Magic Rock, let's go there. So it was a bit of a plan. And it was just like a small group of us all went there, all came back. Um, but I think Bristol has become the the eve bit because, um, well, basically we ended up in the Arbor Porter cabin. And within about an hour, we're basically taking the place over. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, it seemed like anybody that had come down for the night, that like the night before, to be fresh on the Saturday morning, had gravitated towards where everybody was, and as a result, nobody ended up being quite so fresh when we arrived at Lost and Grounded on that Saturday morning. No, because we went to Wiper and True afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's I think it's great that the evening before has become a thing of, of its own as, as well. And I, I, I'm sure we're intending to continue that as we transition to the summer sesh as, as, as well. Um, I think for me, in, in terms of which Crimbo Crawl stands out as being a particular highlight, I really enjoyed Sheffield. Um, I, I, I like Sheffield as a city anyway, um, but I, th- I think the fact that you can come in on the train and within about 100 steps, you can be at a bar with a pint of Jaipur in your hands. <laughs> Cast Jaipur through a sparkler. Um, adds so much gravitas to, to that destination. Not um, just that, the actual place you're drinking it in, it's a fabulous building. Yes, it, it is. It is. Um, and, and then I just I just really enjoyed the, the route that we did at Sheffield. I enjoyed the little event that, that, that Thornbridge put on for us at the Bath Hotel. Um, I would love to say that I really enjoyed my time in the Rutland Arms as, as well, but... But who knows? <laughs> there's still a black hole that exists around that moment in time, as, as far as I'm concerned. But, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed Sheffield. Uh, but I've, I've enjoyed them all mate there's there's no there's no reason not to enjoy these events because at at the end of the day we get to talk to our listeners in person and we just get to enjoy beer with them as as well and 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 i love that they've they've all become friends um and you know you don't think when you're out with when you're out and you're drinking and you're all together you're not thinking about the two people are doing the podcasting and the rest of the people are a part of the community listeners we're all just mates having drinks um and that's been definitely the best bit about doing all of this um and yeah it's just personal preference i said the manchester one sheffield they've all been good i've the first one i went on when i was a listener of beer o'clock show in leeds and then a year later i mean i I would like to say that we hosted and organized the one in newcastle but essentially miles did it all for us we we just (laughs) we just turned up didn't we? we we were essentially like guests at our own thing yeah we 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 didn't do much at all that day um and then, you know, we've, we've gone to Bristol and, you know, Sheffield, Manchester. It's been lovely going to these different cities and stuff. And yeah, I'm very much looking forward to both Summer Sesh Eve and Summer Sesh in Birmingham. Because, you know, again, Birmingham, you know, it's loads of places coming up through Birmingham. And there's Cars Drive Poor. So it's... <laughs> I've... Are we sponsored, Steve? I need to check. Are we sponsored by Thornbridge Jaipur by the chance that we need to be? No, we, we should specifically be sponsored by Thornbridge Cast Jaipur through a sparkler. That, that's who we should be sponsored by. Very, very um, catchy. Yeah, but but no, yeah, I am I am really, really looking forward to, to, to Birmingham next year. And but Birmingham, I will say it properly for those listeners that really get upset with the way I pronounce it. Wrong. Birmingham. <laughs> We are coming next year for for yes. summer session. It would, uh, the only reason we wouldn't be coming would be out of our control. Yes, but we we had a fair idea where we were going to visit in the first place, provided all those places are open, they will all be on the list. And if there's anywhere new worth going, that will be on the list as well. And essentially, the night before, be Sturchley, won't it? That's that's the plan uh, at the moment. But um, 
those plans will still need to be finalised before we, we actually get oh, to there's it. Oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a tab on the spreadsheet for that. That's fine. Of course yeah. there is. Crimbo calls. And again, I know that Steve thanked uh, everyone who listens, but I, I, I really want to extend thanks to everyone who comes to the Crimbo crawls because, it's, again, it's what makes it. It just becomes such a fun evening, day, weekend um, of, of drinking and getting to chat to people that it just flies by no matter whatever time we start. <laughs> yeah. The day goes too quickly. I mean, Manchester, yeah. we were in the Marble Arch for what, 11 o'clock? And we were in Cathy Beermoth at 11 o'clock. 12 hours had separated those two points and it still felt like it wasn't enough time. Yeah. And, and by extension, I, I do also want to thank all of the bars that have hosted us in, in that time, all of the breweries that have done things for us. So set up space aside, done special little events, talks, beers, all that sort of thing. It's uh, it's great when the, the community comes together to, to, to celebrate what it does well, which is which is to encourage people to drink together and, and, and make new friends so yeah um i'm looking forward to getting back on the the, the summer sesh trail next year in birmingham um 2022 we we will be there very much looking forward to that we've probably been self-indulgent for long enough now talking about <laughs> Just uh, a bit. what we've been up to and and some of our highlights uh, so it's probably time to get into this week's question opinions 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 Opinions, opinions. Which quite simply was airport beers. Any time is a good time. So we had yes, no, uh, 743 votes, 82.5% of people saying yes, 17.5% of people saying no. So diving straight in with loads of the comments which we got uh, from Graham Meekin at Graham underscore Meekin. I thought it was mandatory to have a beer at the airport. From Ruth Mitchell, or people would better know as Googly Eyes, Beer Fairy. Yes, but wow, I miss breakfast holiday resin. Uh, from Andy Parker at Tabamatu. Yes, it's holiday law that thou shalt drinketh whenever thou bloody well likes. And then from Paul at UNRCD. Absolutely, I always have a beer at the airport no matter what time it is. It's tradition now. From Simon at Simon Fursby. No one knows what time zone anyone's body clock is on, so you have a pint with your fry up. You're in departure land, so you're probably just drinking at 7am, but that's okay. You're on holiday. And from Podrick at Guinness, Foxatronic82. Yes, airport time is like a weird vortex where it feels like it could be any time of day or night once you get through security. You deserve a beer after all that queuing. From Josh at Witcher77. Time doesn't exist in an airport for me. It's like Christmas in that it's, it's the only time it's socially acceptable to drink at any time. And then from Sophie at So Beer Blogger, airports are funny places. It's like time doesn't exist. For me, it's either that I'm excited to be going on holiday, so I have a pre-flight drink, or it's where I savour the last beer of the trip, thinking about how I want to come back again in the future. From John at Beer in the Suburb, yeah, but moderation is key. You don't want to be that person on the flight. And from James at James Moosh, I don't really want a beer in the morning, and there's no point forcing it if you're not enjoying it. We'll definitely have a beer in the airport any time after lunch, though. From Adlington Beer Circle at Adlington BC. Yes, despite the price, I will always grab one on the way out. I had a Guinness last Saturday morning at Manchester Airport before going to Northern Ireland. And from Mort Miller Reiki, step past check-in in an airport and a time becomes irrelevant. You are surrounded by people in transit from one place to another, one time zone to another. Any rules about drinking at certain times are null and void. 
It's also a great way to calm the nerves before your takeoff. From Gideon Foster at Bruchat underscore G. Definitely. Strangely, the only time I don't feel like an airport beer is getting a late night flight. However, we'll always have a drink on the plane. No logic. Dr. Goggles. Airport, almost never. There's rarely anything good anyway. On the plane is a different matter, unless it's a morning flight. Long haul with free drinks, and I'll be on the whiskey and coke, though. From James at Gammon Baron. Any time is a good time, unless you're the pilot. Obviously. (laughs) I'm glad that someone stated the obvious there. Um, Manchester Airport has Jaipur, and most places have default Guinness. And then finally from Mark Johnson, if I hadn't had a Brooklyn Lager in Manchester Terminal 3, then have I really been anywhere? Although I must add, always on the way out, never on the way home. I could barely manage water on my last return from (laughs) Dublin. I'll tell you what, that made me laugh when I saw that one. (laughs) So those are people's views on on, on this. And there, there were a lot of views that were very, very similar. So thank you to everybody who contributed. We're always appreciative of that. Um... Martin, our views on this, I think, are going to be very much aligned, don't you? I love an airport beer. I, I do. It's it's part of the tradition. Yeah, I can't remember when the tradition started for me, but I know that I've been doing it for years. And it is one of those weird things um, you go through. See, for me, once I've got rid of my bag that I'm checking in, I'm on holiday. And, yeah... A lot of the airports, you often you can't see outside either. So the time does almost become irrelevant, apart from keeping an eye on the clock for your departure. And, yeah, I think it's, for me, I you know, what I really loved about the comments for this poll is there was very little in the way, very little of at all in the way of judging about whether people do or don't want to have a drink. For me, I enjoy it. I think the one of the most relevant comments there was from John. You don't want to be that person. Yeah. Or that group of people who get too much. This this poll actually stemmed from something that you retweeted that you thought was somebody who was publicly commenting and judging people. They were definitely who, judging. Who, who drink at the airport. Yeah. They were basically um, saying it's almost like, why do you need to have a beer at that time of the day? Or when I say beer, drink, because they, they weren't necessarily particularly referencing beer. Other drinks are available. Yeah. Uh, we just happen to be the beer ones. But, you know, I did feel like it was judging. Um, I, I like it. It's just uh, you get to an airport and you've got to get to an airport, especially for like any sort of medium or long haul flight so early. There's a limited amount of time. I mean, I could, I could say, that, well, really, do you have to go and shop? Do you have to go to that shop now? I mean, you know, you could, everyone could make judgments, you know, and this person was making a judgment about, about people who want to have a drink. For a lot of people, a visit to an airport is part of a wider thing. This is their, mm. maybe their one trip. You know, I, I was lucky enough to do trips of work um, and we've, I've done other weekends away. And I really missed the airport experience of the looking forward to going on the trip, not the queuing up and security. I mean, anyone who misses that, you know, blimey. And that bit when you go, a couple of hours, I've done all my checking in, there's been no issues. Apparently there's no delays. Um, I can sit down and just have a drink. And a lot of the time, you, uh, usually you probably only have a couple unless there's any like delays or something. So unless you're traveling with me, you're probably only having a, a couple of drinks and I'm not affecting the, 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 the airline traffic. Um, you just unwind a little bit and you're ready for it. 
because people don't, you know, if you then get on the plane and you're having drinks, that still could still be you on a half, six, seven o'clock morning flight. There's no difference, is there? I just enjoy it. I mean, we have done it, you know, I say recently, feels like recent, but it was actually last year. Um, and I have done it on the way home, only if it's a long haul flight and I know I'm not driving at the other end. Um, but I definitely wouldn't have done it on the way back from Dublin. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there were a couple of comments in here. I mean, on, on the whole, I, I, I largely agree with what you're saying there. Um, I, I can't really add to anything on, on, on that, but th there, there are two comments in here in particular that I really liked. One, one of them was from uh, Mark Miller-Reiki that, that, that spoke about once you cross into that irrelevant time zone where people are in transit, it's like time doesn't matter because you are literally in transit from one place to another. And, you know, a few other people saying for them, it's the start of their holiday. Um, but I think it was Andy that said, do what you bloody well like, really. It's, it's up to you. If you want to have a beer for you before you get on the plane, then, then you do that. If, if you don't, then you don't. It's as simple as that. But like you say, don't judge people for their choices um, because who are we to judge the way that others live their lives? Yeah, I'll judge if you're a dick. But I'll judge if you're a dick with or without alcohol. Yeah, get drunk and be a <laughs> dick on my flight. That's a completely different issue. Exactly. And that's what, I think that's probably what someone has seen. So they've gone, they've, they've walked past somewhere and there's a group or a few individuals who are just obviously too boisterous and, or maybe then have got on the flight and have been dicks on the plane. That's completely unacceptable. But those people are dicks regardless. They, they probably still would have been in some shape or form. They, the alcohol has just amplified it. So, yeah, don't be that person. Do what you want to do. Be respectful of others. Job done. And I think this is a great time to jump back into our top five countdown. Um, because coming in at number three was the last time that you and I had an airport and indeed plane beers. Um, together, which was when we went to Budva in February 2020 now. Pre-shit. Pre, pre <laughs> yes, yeah, pre-pandemic, we uh, flew out of Heathrow, so that was a new setup for us as well, because normally on, on beer trips that we've been on together before, we've, we've gone out of Stansted, and we know the layout roughly at Stansted. Yeah. Um, but Heathrow was new for us, so rather than just heading to the nearest spoons, because that's not what we wanted to do, uh, we actually happened across somewhere that had Camden beers on. And in particular, they had the Camden ink on, because yeah. I think I think one of the, 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 the comments that came out of one of our mouths was, we're going to drink nothing but lager for the next two days. Let's get some dark beer in us. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, actually, we were actually wrong about that as it happens very um, much so yes but um if i think back to the comment that james said there's default guinness i you know the camden ink is a very good stout um very enjoyable hadn't had it for a while either um and again it was another meeting point so by the end of it all five of us were in there so josh josh and his partner had a bite to eat um we met up with is it tim i want to say um from, from Brewer's Journal. And so by the end of it, all five of us were in there sharing a beer. It was a really nice, relaxed start. Um, yes, then we did have a... It was the Brewdog Speedbird 100, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Because the, at the, the time, the only place you could get it was on a BA flight. Yes. So we were like, new tick. Yeah, <laughs> got all excited. I mean, you can't tick it when you're actually on the plane. Yeah, but hey. No, no, but... <laughs> you know, I'm sure someone's going to work on that. 
but yeah, that, that was just a lovely start to what was um, and the reason why it's, you know, in our in our top five countdown was just an amazing experience. And that's the word we need to use here. It was an experience. Yes, we were well looked after and, you know, Budvar paid for the flights, the hotel. And apart until like the last bit of the second full day chauffeured us around as well. It was just a wonderful experience to go to Budvar and Budavica and talk to someone who's the head brewer and, you know, like the next in line as well and experience it through their eyes as well and the history of it and just chatting to them and getting to know them and having that wonderful, I mean, literally, we're in this small room, <laughs> which right now you're thinking, I'm sitting here in my mum dad's like sort of dining room area, thinking, yeah, I think this is actually bigger. And it's not a very big dining room. It's, this is actually bigger than we, we sat and recorded with them like a month before we were told, right, you can't come to work anymore. Yeah, um, it's crazy, isn't it? When it you look is at crazy it that when way. you think it like that. Yeah. And then we got to stay in uh, Chesky Krumlov, which is a UNESCO uh, protected site. It's like a, a town. I, I would never have thought to have visited there in in, in, in my life, really. It was, I, you... I would have stayed in Budavica. If I'd gone to see Budva, I would have stayed in Budavica because yeah. it was easy. Yeah, yeah, the fact that that was part of the itinerary and that was actually woven into the itinerary that we were given because there was a specific restaurant that Josh wanted to take us to as well, which was all about the meat, um, but that also served Budvar and I remember us just in really enjoying the Budvar dark in, in yeah, there. Yeah, it was perfect. As, the fire, the meat. Yeah. It was a cut, it was snowing that night as well. It was just like the, per I mean, it felt like it was about 12 o'clock at night. I think it was only about eight or nine. But it was really quiet as well. We basically yeah. had the place to ourselves, didn't we? Well, well yeah. I mean, and, and I think as, as I said at the time when we were there, the whole town was so quiet that it reminded me of that scene from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang where the child catcher comes <laughs> into town because the, the, the buildings were very similar oh, to yeah. that and the streets were very similar. And I was just like, where is everybody? But I, I think you're right in what you said there. That that was it, that wasn't just a, a beer trip. That was an experience that, that, that we mm. had. The whole thing from beginning to end was an experience. So, yes, we were lucky enough to go and see the, the, the Budvar Brewery. Um, we were then taken off to a lot of microbreweries that were out in the, in the countryside between... Well, basically the longest journey ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, well, we got taken into Budavica on the second day, didn't we? So we'd gone to see Budvar. That was the Tuesday. That was the first full day and the meal in the evening. And then we went into, back into Budavita and then Josh suddenly presented us with like a historian who started telling us about Budavita as well. One of these people who, you know, goes around showing you different things. We had a lovely lunch and uh, in the place which used to be like a um, salt warehouse. Yeah, was, um, yeah, salt meal, wasn't it? And they, they brewed their own beers. And obviously you and I very sensibly decided well, you, you have six beers. So we're going to try and have all six in the two hours we're here. Because, of course, that's what you do. Um, not not realising what was in front of us for the rest no, of that exactly. day at that point. Um, and uh, then, then, like you say, then we stopped off at another two or three places before we even got to Prague. And every place we stopped, people made time for us. And that was nothing about Budvar beer. What Josh was trying to demonstrate was this beer culture 
that wasn't just linked to maybe some of those very obvious examples of beers and styles that we associate. You know, still hand on heart, one of the best IPAs I ever had was made in Prague. By the man that hated IPAs. Yes. But boy, could he brew an IPA. Um, and then we ended up in this little bar, which then had three or four more fantastic and just still fantastic IPAs. Um, and this was, and then we we stayed out long enough for it to then crack into my birthday. So I think you saw him with a barley wine, didn't you? Wasn't there a barley wine on the menu that you decided you were going to have to see in your birthday? Yeah, and then we had, co- and then we we did a cocktail thing as well in that yeah. horror place, as you do. Yes, yeah. because uh, that's what you... we needed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the but... next day in Prague, all the snow had gone, and we and... had this clear, crisp, bright day where you, you walk over the bridge and you just want to stand there for ages just admiring the scenery. We, we just became tourists on that last morning, didn't we, before we went yeah. back to the hotel. We, we went and did all the, the, the touristy things. But, yeah, um, wow, what a trip. Um, still massively grateful to Josh for setting that up and to, 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 to Budvar for basically funding it all for, for us. And th- th- there are times when... You know, we always talk about this being our hobby, and and it is our our hobby. It's it's a hobby that got out of hand. Um, <laughs> but I would never, in my wildest dreams, have thought that it would have afforded us experiences like the one we had in Budvar, um, because that was about it was about the beer. But so that the things that I remember are waking up in this picturesque little village and it being covered in snow. Uh, the things that I remember being taken into the Czech countryside to a microbrewery in the middle of nowhere uh, to meet a man that hated IPAs but brewed one of the tastiest IPAs <laughs> I'd ever tasted. And just little experiences like ending up in a nightmarish cocktail bar in the early hours of the morning. The whole thing was just, was just amazing. And, and what was it, about 56 hours between leaving Heathrow and coming back yeah it was like two and a bit days so much was packed into those two days and so much of it is imprinted on my memory um that you know it feels like a complete lifetime ago because of the experiences we had and what followed yeah absolutely and and i and i hope that the experiences that we had very much came through in that show that we put out after it as, as as well which was the recordings that we did and all of the things that we spoke about but yeah what a fantastic trip and very much deserving of its place in our top five i've finished the cherry ton cocoa well done steve you have finished 440 milliliters of ton cocoa it was okay i'm sure people that love those flavors will absolutely love it i mean it's a tasty beer um it's one of those that i really wish we'd been sharing that one <laughs> I really wish we'd been doing this one in, in person because that would have been great to share. Um, I am very much looking forward to, to the next beer that I'm about to, to put into my glass, though, which is the barrel-aged version of the Mockerman Randy Savage. So this is State of Mind 2021. It's a barrel-aged imperial breakfast milk stout coming in at 14%. I'm going to crack mine open which is uh, Flux number four, barrel-aged John Biscotti. Um, I have gone up a few notches, but again, I'm still 2% below you, Steve. Our OCD is going really well today, actually. 
Mate, mate, this beer is 6.2 units. <laughs> this this so, beer alone is half of my weekly intake in terms of units. So mine is a port barrel-aged biscotti imperial pastry stout. Now, I'll tell you what, even five years ago, if someone had passed me a beer with that descriptor on it, there would be a lot of nervousness about it. But, um, now, what I would say about the beer I had and from what you described, the descriptors are accurate of their beers. You may not always appreciate some of the flavours, but they're all there for certain. So let's see, let's see how my... Has your, how's your one poured? Is it, it's, it feels uh, like it should be really thick. It, it's, it's poured not as thick as the Cherry Tom Coco. Um, my descriptors on this can are robust, aromatic, nutty, decadent and yummy. Um, not sure how you <laughs> yummy quite... feels like they just ran out of other words, <laughs> yeah. But this has been barrel aged in um wild turkey bourbon barrels. Um, so I know that we did the original Mocker Man Randy Savage, yeah, way back, and I think that was how we first started building this relationship that we have with Brew York because, yeah, th- th- it was the wrestling side, that it was I think the got wrestling, Randy yeah. Savage, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and but this is the barrel aged version of that, so I'm I'm quite excited to get into this. So, uh, without further ado, cheers, cheers. Oh, oh, a bit of an almondy type on the nose. I might be having your baked well tart here. Um, my one says smooth, vinous. Complex, zesty, and roasted. So all words I can say, which is always good. I'm getting a real... Biscotti is the Italian biscuit that you get with a coffee, isn't it? Well, well it's amaretti biscuits, isn't it? And then there's an amaretto liqueur. Which as, is as definitely biscuit. an almondy type liqueur. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that's... Is, is, it, is it barrel-aged in an, yeah. an amaretto barrel? Well, it says it's port barrel-aged, but I'm getting... I mean, I'm getting nothing on port. Here, okay, no... so they've, they've gone for the flavourings of the biscuit, yes, and then a barrel that complements it. Yeah, um, but again, what I was referencing before, if that was what their aim is, then they've nailed it. Well, what I've got is full-on booze in a glass. I mean, this is, it's boozy, and it's warming, and it's all of those lovely uh, toffee caramel vanilla flavours you get from a bourbon barrel, and then underneath that, what you've got is this, this thick stout that is showing characteristics. There's coffee in there, um, those roasted notes coming through on the end. And this is a huge beer. So I do apologise if I can't speak at the end of this birthday show because this, this is massive. It's 14%, mate, and it's delicious. Well, we should probably kick on then, mate, before you, before your power of speech starts to, to leave you. Yes, yes, let's. Well, let's just first off start by saying um, thanks to everybody who contributed to the opinions poll. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes to that question, so you can have a look at all the answers. Keep using the hashtag opinions, and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So first up from the Manchi at the Pie Man 7. After listening to the show about the Pinter, I went and bought one. After a bumpy start, I'm now on to my third beer, Upland Social, and it's going very well. Thanks for the info and advice. Also, amazing customer service at Pinter. 
from Gareth Williams at Green Elk. Enjoyed my first listen to the Beer O'Clock show on my run yesterday. People from Southend and Colchester getting on is possible then. Though the gents off may have offended many Cornish people by saying that they were in the local area to St Austell when in Devon made me chuckle. From Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Absolutely lovely to listen to such an informative and wide-ranging conversation. As someone with ties in the Republic of Ireland, it's interesting to see the differences in the North. Another great guest and another great episode. Your boy, Rob Edwards. Fantastic episode, guys. I'm going to have to give it another listen. There was so much information that I had no clue about. P.S. Love the choice of stiff little fingers to end with. From Mark Westlake, at Mark Westlake. Loved hearing the track at the end. Inflammable material was a soundtrack to my youth. From Ronnie Bean, very interesting show. I think the two distributors who have stitched up two million customers between them won't be encouraging law reforms that help diversity of beer supply. And then from Bay Beer Reviews, eye-opening and head-scratching stuff about Northern Ireland. I think the last show did, as, as much as it did us, actually opened a lot of our listeners' eyes as well in, in terms of what's going on in Northern Ireland. Yeah, or you know, what isn't going on in Northern Ireland almost, um, if you're trying to crack that market or you're trying to get a bit of an opening. I mean, we definitely found it to be um, a very informative and interesting school night. Um, and again, the exploding head emoji would be an appropriate one when things like it's 90,000 to 100 plus just to get a license before you've done anything else just to get the bit of paper. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad everyone enjoyed it because it was a real it was something a little bit different for us, a little bit of a different market to discuss. Um, but really, really enjoyed it. And I'm glad that other people have as well. Yeah, so, so same here. Um, it was one of those shows for us that was, as, as we say, a, a bit of an eye-opener. And it does lend itself quite nicely to the next part of our countdown. So back to our top five countdown and coming in at number two is our many trips to Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to just clump them all in as, as, as one because we've been a few times now, haven't we, mate? We've been... Uh, we've been over the All Tech Festival and then we've been lucky enough twice to be over as guests of Guinness um, and Diageo as, as well for International Stout Day. And those trips have been um, just as informative, really, haven't they? Particularly the stuff where we got to spend time with the archivists and learning about the, the, the history behind Guinness. Yeah, I mean, they've all been nice trips. I mean, obviously, the first one was All Tech Festival. Um, which we were able to catch up with the, the, the Irish beer snobs, Wayne and Janice, as well, across that weekend. That was uh, lovely. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been to Dublin for a little while, so that was good. Uh, but yeah, the time, the first International Stout Day Festival, chatting and listening about the archive and all of the history of Guinness, literally the history of Guinness, um, being brought in front of us to, to, to life was just fascinating i mean everyone is just so friendly passionate about it but also we've had a chance then to spend a bit of time outside of the the, the guinness part of the of dublin and experience the craft beer scene further afield within dublin area and again it's just been wonderful spending time with people you know whether that be the first trip where or whether it be the second one where we ended up doing that bit of a all-day bar crawl which is what broke everyone by the end of it and made the flights back 
shall we say, interesting. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I love going to Ireland anyway. I love going to Dublin. And they have been real experiences. Yes, the last two, we've been, um, it's been very good of uh, Guinness and Diageo to look after us. But, you know, but spending time with Podrick and, and, and his crew as well has been just amazing. That toasted cheese and ham sandwich the first time we went, we in the old school pub, a good probably half hour walk away from where Guinness was, was just, again, a real highlight. And, and that was just something to do. That was just somewhere that he really wanted to show us. So, yeah, I've, I've loved it. We met the, the, the Dutch brewer who came on the show with us. Yeah, Jens. Yeah, Jens. Um, and I still see his posts pop up and things like that. So, again, it was just another wonder, wonderful set of experiences. Um, you know, uh, the last time we went and you being presented with um, some wonderful foods, all of which you went, no, no. <laughs> yeah. um, but you basically had your, the reason I reference it, is more because it was basically your sour face. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 they weren't working for me. They, 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 they really weren't. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was, it's, always, it's always been good. What's, what's your, your keenest memory of that? I think, I think you've picked up a number of moments there. I think that, that there are a few moments that very much stick in my mind, uh, one of them being um, after our first visit to the All Tech Festival where we found ourselves involved in the lesser known activity of a late night lock-in in a bar in Dublin where you and I were just sat in the corner drinking Guinness and talking shit to one another was the genesis of what became opinions on films where we said well it's our podcast why can't we watch a film and, t- and drink beer at the same time so um that that's that's what you've all got were we locked in? Were we locked in there with the beer snobs though as well? No, it was just us by that point. Was it just us by that? Yeah, point? Oh, yeah did they, they have to get the uh, last bus home. They had to get the last bus. It was just us and a, a load of locals. Um, there was the many visits to the now sadly closed Alfie oh. Burns, the, the the Galway Bay Bar, and enjoying many pours of a foam and fury. But by far the greatest moment was you ordering a third. <laughs> For everyone of a thirteen percent stout at eleven o'clock in the morning. Uh, only... No, no, no. It was it was PM. It wasn't airport time. Okay, twelve oh one. I was trying to order a third of a pint, but obviously they're metric, so I ordered us a third of a liter each. Third of a liter, yeah. So we all had to drink that down. Um, but yeah, just all, all the time that we've got to spend with all the great people in Ireland. Um, so spending time with Padraig, um, getting to meet. Oh, I'm sorry, I forget her name right now, but the um, the, the woman that started International Stout Day. Again, as I said earlier, getting to meet the archivist and, and learning all about the history behind Guinness. Getting to walk around some of the parts of the brewery that you don't get to do on the, oh, on, the, on the public tour. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, the uh, the high-vis jacket with my name on is, is always going to be uh, the, the, the thing that, that I hold most dear. Um, yeah, we've been, again, much the same as, as, as the Budvar trip. We've been very lucky in, in, in terms of being extended that offer and being looked after by um, friends that we've made as a result of this podcast. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. And anyone who's listened to us who's been a part of looking after us or organising it, because again, it's something we don't have to do with really any organising apart from, okay, are we going to do a bit of recording? Where are we going to do it? What are we going to talk about? But apart from that, very little in the way of organising because someone else has done it for us. So yeah, thank you very much. And I hope I get to Dublin soon 
regardless of the reason. So same here, because I the pandemic stopped some for me. It was something like a five or six year streak that I'd been on of going to Dublin every year. And it's now been two years and I'm missing it. And I'm missing Wayne and Janice as well. Yeah. They're, they're, they're good friends of ours. And I'm missing having beers and laughs with them. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to do that again soon. This isn't just about us talking up our greatest moments, though, on, on this birthday show. We did ask our listeners for some of their highlights as well. And we've had some great feedback from everyone. So thank you so much if you took the time to, to feedback on this one. And we're just going to go through a few of those now. From the old lady. I really enjoy it when Ruth joined you. You three have a great dynamic and the live craft beer hour was hilarious. Is that the most drunk you've been while it's broadcasting? From Paul at UNRCD, simply cannibal run, baby. I think Paul answered Danny's question for us <laughs> because I, I, think, I don't think it was that we were that drunk during the craft beer hour live. I think it was that we did the whole thing live and we were doing the polls at the same time and we were drinking and what the listeners got to hear was essentially an unedited hour of content because that's how we wanted to put it out. We yeah. wanted you to hear what it was like to host Craft Beer Hat Hour. But yeah, the most drunk we've ever been while recording has to be the Cannonball Run, surely. It's got to be those all those 440 cans, mate. Yeah, back, back when the Cannonball Run used to be something special. Moving on, Steve. Going to leave that there. Uh, from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, the one where Ruth got you drinking beer, non-beer bit pairings was great. You could hear the nervousness and trepidation. Also, the episode with Mark Johnson featuring smoked beers was another quality episode. From Sean O'Reilly at Uncrudia, my fave definitely has to be Ruth's first appearance, as that was the first episode I listened to, and it opened the door to beer Twitter for me, where I've met some of my best mates. From Beer Theory. I've loved all the episodes featuring Danny. Also, your interview with Jameel was awesome. Simon Dewhurst at Simo Sloth. The Christmas shows have been some of my favourites. I love all the stats and quizzes. Plus, your thoughts on the vintage ales over the years are always a great listening. Happy birthday, guys. See, mine, somebody likes the quizzes. That's, <laughs> that's why you have to do the quizzes. That's why you have to let me quiz you. Okay, we'll do it for Christmas. Okay. From Ronnie Bean. Uh, the show adjacent to the Crimbo Crawls were my favourite thing about opinions. I also enjoyed your chat with Ken from Sierra Nevada. And what I remember is Martin's chat with even from Delacene. I don't know where Steve was that day. Uh, that was me going a bit rogue, uh, to yeah, be honest. You were at an event, weren't you? And you was like, shall I do this? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was I'll... too good an opportunity. And he was so nice about it. So I thought, well, why not? Yeah. Let's get it on there. Sometimes we have to grab those opportunities when they present themselves, regardless of whether we're both there or not, don't we? Yeah. And you've got something you can record on all the time in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And then from the Manchi at the Pyman 7, the pub crawl with Riverman Brews sat in my local laughing away to it whilst, on, whilst the locals looked on. Martin, do you want to tell him or shall I? <laughs> that wasn't one of our shows. <laughs> That was a Rhythm and Brews episode. That was a Rhythm and Brews episode, but I think people know that we were heavily involved in it. One of us all the way through as well. So I can I can see why he was laughing. I know what you're talking about, mate. Carry on. <laughs> from John Edwards at John Edwards 7175. So many to choose from. Just love your general beery adventures. James at Garen Barron. Opinion 69, live from Peak Ender. Oh, uh, that, that was a good one. That was a highlight. Yeah, yeah. 
some real nervousness around that one in, in terms of how do we do this thing in front of a live audience and make it interactive? And not try and drink all the Jaipur before we start. That too, yeah. <laughs> um, from Rob Zilla. Not sure it's the best bit, but I did enjoy hearing and reading the answers to your fancy questions. Also, I do rather miss the sonic screwdriver bottle opener. There's just less bottles to open these days. And also my editing skills are better. Yeah, I have to be talking at the same time I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> from Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Almost impossible to choose for me. Always just love spending an hour or two listening to two good guys chatting about the world of beer. But I will say the period during the first wave of COVID was especially comforting to me as I travelled to and from work in that time. And from Richard Taylor, I could obviously pick the times I've been on the show, but that would just be wrong of me. So I'll just say that from the first time I listened, I have enjoyed all the shows, guests, information, beery adventures. But more importantly, I've made two great friends and met many other people. I just want to jump in there. So firstly, thanks, Rich, for that. It is lovely. And I do consider you a very good friend. And uh, Johnny Beerboy's comment really touched as well. Yeah, very he, much. He so. was one of those people who we knew because he was picking up the episode pretty much as soon as it landed and going into work. So um, whatever we did, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, can I just say that as well? I, I, I know some people struggled with us going weekly during that time, but equally, I think the same amount of people benefited from it as, as, as well. So um, we enjoyed doing it and as, as it was as much a relief for me as, as well, because I wasn't doing anything during that time. So it gave me something to do as well. So I, I do appreciate all of our listeners letting us indulge ourselves with weekly episodes for a few months. So thank you all for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely one of those uh, times when it was, it, it was felt right, but we do understand that for everyone, it didn't work because a bit like me with reading and stuff, got the lack of a commute in some shape or form as well. And yes, that started off with Steve sending me a WhatsApp. I have an idea. <laughs> which always gives me a bit of trepidation anyway. Um, but carrying on, so Beer O'Clock Brewing at B.O. Brewing. For me, it has to be the Goose Island, that's going back a few years, Budvar, Sierra Nevada and Jamil episodes, also informative and really interesting. Hoppy birthday, guys. From your boy, Rob Edwards. So hard to pick, especially you guys have been a real comfort to me during the events of the last 18 months. I'm going to have to go with the Ken Grossman special. Well done for just about keeping it together and talking to a legend. Love you both. P.S. Opinions 130 was a very fun episode also. An honourable mention for Opinions on Film, Love Actually. Somebody mentioned Opinions on Film, mate. Yay! <laughs> uh, what was special about Opinions 130? I just can't think. I don't... Was... No, I, I can't, can't remember. No, I, I remember obvious. it being a lot of fun, but... Yeah, nothing immediately leaps out. From Wayne at the Irish Beer Snob, absolutely loved the Sierra Nevada special and Heretic Brewing too. So many good episodes, lads. Happy fifth birthday. From Ian Hay at II Hay, Ken Grossman, Jamil from Heretic and Robert from Six Degrees North are all outstanding recent episodes. As a home brewer, though, Jamil episode is the one. Going back a bit, I'm very fond of the Nick Dwyer episode and anything where Rich Taylor features. Just reading the replies is making me realise how consistently excellent the show is. And then finally, from Andy Parker at Tabamatu. This amazing interview with Ken Grossman was a landmark moment in UK beer podcasting and perfectly illustrates the high regard in which the show is held. That has given me goosebumps reading that, mate. 
Well, it's, it's reading it from Andy Parker as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. Um, that comment, when it came in, really made me stop and, and, and take a moment. And I think it will come as no surprise to anybody that <laughs> when it comes to our top five moments, there's a reason why one of those moments is at number one. There's one beer that I would wish I had produced. There's beers that I have um, marveled over the, the setting, the friends, the experience. Um, you know, I've traveled in Belgium and drank some great beers with monks. I've, um, I've traveled uh, to Czechoslovakia and drunk some um, you know, really made, well-made pilsners. Um, so um, I'm not going to pick one. I'm just going to say it, it has a lot to do with the, the friends you're with and, and um, you know, a style of beer that um, you know, lends itself to the occasion. That, of course, was the voice of Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada, who we featured on episode 141, and which has become, as Andy said, a bit of a landmark moment for us, hasn't it, mate? Yes, I mean, definitely. So many reasons to con contribute to that, to being the number one episode for us. Um, I loved reading all of the um, contributions from the listeners for their oh, favourite moments. Yeah, fantastic going through all of those. And I would definitely... Let's, you know, when we always do these kind of things with top X moments or top top experience, there's always an honourable mention. I've got to give an honourable mention to the the, car, the podcast we did do with Jamil because that was such enormous fun mm -hmm. doing that one. And if you talk about going back to Rob's, about keeping it together, that's for a different reason because of talking to Ken. Jamil, we, we, you know, we knew very little about him to start off with. Keeping it together was hard because of the beers we were drinking with him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they were big old beers as well, they weren't were they? Yeah, big old beers. Um, but yeah, I mean, firstly, I couldn't. We we did have to work hard to get Ken on the show. There was a lot of persistence on our part. Um, we did no small amount of research between us across different formats. It's quite odd talking to someone on the a the other side of the world, which was our first time doing that as well. Eight hours between us as well so we were ready to drink mid-afternoon fine no let's go for it seven o'clock in the morning for ken <laughs> with his coffee reckon he's been awake for about 15 minutes <laughs> um and you know he's done let's be honest he has been interviewed for want of a better word plenty of times generally a lot of it would have been for the written word but he's done youtube stuff he's done podcasts and then these two chances from essex have been put in contact with him and someone somewhere has said, yeah, Ken will do that. <laughs> you know, and then Ken switches on his computer, fires up Zoom and says, you and me there, Steve, we're ready to crack open the Sierra Nevada <laughs> <laughs> while he's struggling for his first coffee today. And what I think worked really well is that obviously because he's done this so many times, he was ready. So say first 10 minutes or so about his background and about, you know, how, how the, the first beer came into being. But then I think he sort of got us after mm. a while. I think he he did, have, I think he realised we had done a little bit of work on the run-up to it as well. You know, we were able to reference his bits in the, his own book that came out like eight years ago. And it just became more of a, a chat after that as well. 
And it was amazing. I mean, the guy who created Sierra Nevada. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way of putting it. Um, and that will still go down as amazing. It was also recorded the day before my 50th. So I had booked off the couple of days, uh, the month, the Friday and the month. This make feel like even though we were in complete and utter lockdown in mid-February, it was cold, it was a bit miserable. I was injured. I had this, this was something really to look forward to. And it didn't let me down at all. We we just had an amazing time. And I think you and I probably had a good half hour afterwards, after Ken had left us chatting, going, did that really happen? Did we just sit here and talk yeah. to Ken Grossman? It was just, it was awesome. I, I, I love the fact that people have referenced it. And, and it, despite the experiences we've talked about and the places we've been to, we did get to chat to a legend. We did, yeah. And like I say, what, what amazes me is that just the fact that we got to do that. And like you say, it was, it was hard work to, to, to bring it in and to make it happen. But I loved seeing how many people referenced that as, as, as their moment. And it, it will come as no surprise to anyone that we're sitting here now saying that's our, that, that's our best moment of the last five years for everything we've got to do and all the places we've got to go and all the beers we've got to drink, the, the, the best moment has been that hour and a half that we got to spend across the internet on a Zoom call with Ken Grossman um, because it was literally, for, for the entirety of that, I was sat there literally pinching myself saying, is this happening? <laughs> is this happening? Is this happening? And then I think there was a, there was a follow-up moment to, to that. And I'm, I'm really, really sorry if, if this sounds incredibly self-indulgent, but I've, I've got to say this. When we went up to York and we were out drinking with Andy and Lee, there was a moment where Andy and Lee were talking about that show without us involved in the conversation that we were drinking next to them. And we were like, they're talking about that show. And I think Andy's follow-up comment there just shows what high regard that show is held in. I think the thing which worked for me was that when I listened back to it, like I said, it became a conversation, it became a chat. Um, he warmed to us. But there's definitely a pinch, pinch yourself moment. And I almost talking about it now, I feel like I should be pinching myself. I remember when we were doing it, I kept checking the top left-hand bit of the screen. Fucking recording, isn't it? Please yeah, tell me this, this is recording. This, yeah, this is happening. This is we're getting this. We are getting this content, aren't we? Um, yeah, yeah. Please don't let anything go wrong. Let's not have any slippage in the internet or anything like that. Um, but yeah, we 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 sat there and we drank four Sierra Nevada beers with someone who had created them and Sierra Nevada, and was to us, and is to us, and to a lot of our friends and listeners, a legend in the brewing community, and. Even, but even just doing the research was fun for that. Yeah. And you find out how much he's done. I mean, Not seriously. Not just in beer. I mean, that, no. man, that man taught himself to, brew, to, to build a brewery. Yes. And he can still fix bikes. I mean, yeah. it's almost like when you start reading his book, you think you almost forget about the beer aspect sometimes with what he's doing. And it's like, that is just an awesome self-drive that he's got and belief that he can crack it whatever the end goal is he can find a way to get there um so yeah it was an awesome experience i just really loved it i love the fact that other people love it and yes that moment when i think me and you were probably just staring at 
the brew york scene and enjoying our maristiotto when andy and lee started talking about it, it was like they're talking about our episode yeah they're all talking about our episode um so yeah the whole experience was awesome the fact that other but it came across and other people loved it as well not just because it was ken but the way it sounded and the way it listened and people could listen to it wonderful really 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 enjoyed it and that's been a nice little walk down memory lane that top five actually it, it has and just just one final point on, on on the ken episode was that it's the it was the first time we had done one of those unannounced specials as well so so leading into that release i was like a kid before christmas i i could just about not tell everyone what happened and and that thursday morning when it released and to see the reaction to it on 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 twitter was just mind-blowing people were like no you didn't just do that did you you were a nightmare on the run-up to release i I, 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 I know i know i'm so i'm sorry but so i think you edited it fairly promptly as well day after yeah and then you were going can we release it now can we release it now (laughs) i want to put it out i want to put it out (laughs) can we tell people no no this is this is one just to drop and see what people think about it because it could also be a, a little bit we've talked about it could be a little bit of a template going forward as well and it's definitely what got us the the wonderful chance to go and speak to jamil for yeah that that wouldn't well, that the jamil show wouldn't have happened without us talking to ken grossman yeah a- absolutely not and we spoke to jamil for twice the amount of time yeah yeah um you know that we still put out a really good show but we spoke to him before we spoke to him afterwards and, and he came back to us afterwards as well um and so that was really good. And that was because of the conversation with Ken. Um, so, yeah, you were a nightmare. You were like the proverbial kid before Christmas. Can I open all my presents? They're there. Can't I open them? Um, so, no, I, I was so pleased it was well well received at the time as well. And, and this isn't meaning any disrespect. I was really pleased. But I also sat there going, I always don't care if anyone comments or not. I've spoken to Ken Grossman. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's also a slight element in there of how are we ever going to top that? <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what you said that day yeah I'm, I'm i'm not i'm not sure we can i think i think if if we're still here in five years time if we get to the 10th anniversary of opinions and we do our top 10 countdown i think probably ken grossman will still be at number one there's a very very good chance that would be the case <laughs> spoiler alert yeah and i don't know if it's about topping it but it's just for us and because it was the first of those specials and it only came about because of the pandemic. Yeah. Because yeah, had, it, had it not been for that, that wouldn't have happened. It's, it's as simple as that. And yeah. as, as you say, that's been a fantastic trip down memory lane. Um, I'm really feeling this 14% <laughs> beer right now. So we should probably try and start bringing things together. It's probably been a bit of a longer show than, than, than people have been used to recently from us. But it is our fifth birthday and we're allowed to be a little bit self-indulgent if we want to be. And we're drinking big beers. And we do just have one question to finish with this week. Questions, questions, fill my head. So we had a question from Rob Zilla at Rob Many Handles. And I think a few of you may be able to guess which Rob this is. So hello, Rob. Welcome back. This is a question for Steve and I. However, I'm going to flip it on its head. I'm going to ask this to everyone who listens. Random question. From the last five years, what are your top opinions rants? So let us know. We'll feature it in the next Us show on Bittering Lingness. What's your top opinions rants from Steve and or myself? 
can I just preface that by saying that we never plan the rants? So we do a certain amount of planning around the show in terms of having... Yeah, the show notes don't have rants as a section. No, we have show <laughs> notes and they guide us through the show. The, the rants happen completely organically. Um, and it's very difficult for us to answer that question. So, yeah, to, we want you to tell us which ones you've enjoyed the most. So, yeah, so, so let's know. And, and, and maybe if there's a favourite, Steve can find a clip from it. Cheers, mate. That's a lot of fucking work I've got to do here here's a fucking favorite rant for everybody how about I've got to fucking go into all of the fucking shows to find the fucking clip of the fucking one rant that everybody wants to fucking hear how about that well there you go just be this one then <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens when two co-hosts have a 12% and a 14% beer speaking of which though are you enjoying it I'm loving it. Um, I'm probably drinking it way too fast. And I think the rest <laughs> of it, I'm going to take my time with over the course of this evening. It is a delicious beer. It is the original beer ramped up even more with that bourbon barrel aging. And, and I absolutely love that. How is your uh, biscotti going? I think now that I've acclimatised, so to speak, to the actual flavours of the biscotti. Yes, it's settled down a bit, but it's still such a dominant flavour. It, again, it's, it's like a lot of their beers. If you love that, you are going to adore the beer. I prefer the chocolate orange. So let's take Big Eagle out of the equation because that's you and I gone for another 10 minutes and we start talking about that again. Prefer the chocolate orange, but the biscotti is doing exactly what it says. They do play with flavours well, don't they? Yes. That's, that's all I'm going to say uh, uh, about Brew York. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I do love our celebration episodes, especially when I think you said earlier on uh, uh, five years seems like a pivotal moment um, yeah. it's, it's kind of five ten isn't it it's yeah it, 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 it's those increments um thank you to all of our listeners that, that that have got involved in this thank you to our listeners for continuing to listen to us and continue to get involved in in our weekly opinions polls thanks to all the breweries and all the pr agencies and everybody that continues to work with us and provide us with content for the show whether that be um things to talk about or beers to drink we are always very very grateful for us we encourage you to always continue using that hashtag opinions uh, get involved in what we're doing and we will find you and we'll feature you as part of the show martin what is coming up on the next episode well you and i have to do a bit more homework again mate um so oh, we're going to be talking to johnny garrett of the craft beer channel been on before and he'll be talking about his new book, A Year in Beer and Seasonality in Beer. So that, by my reckoning, means we're doing at least a four beer show, Steve. I reckon so. And I'm really looking forward to this because um, I'm sure our listeners will already be saying, oh, hang on a minute. I am very much a seasonal drinker. Um, I like dark beers in the winter. I like light beers in the summer. I'm interested to talk to Johnny about the concepts around this whole year of beer and what seasonality means to that. So, yeah, that, that, that should be a good episode. Yeah, looking forward to that. So, yeah, that's what we've got coming up next time, Steve. Looking forward to it. So before I can no longer speak because of this 14% beer, I'm just going to say, Martin, I've enjoyed doing the show with you for the last five years. I think we've taken it to a new level, mate, and uh, long may it continue. And to all of our listeners, please keep getting involved and, and thank you for being you and, and thank you for making us what we are. And all that's left to say at that point is cheers. Cheers, Dave.